You're listening to Breathe, Focus, Repeat, a podcast about business ownership and self-discovery. I'm Brooke Monahan. I help people simplify their work so they can breathe and focus on what they love. And in this podcast, I tell my story as a brand new business owner and shed a light on what it really takes to make it happen for yourself. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Breathe, Focus, Repeat. In today's episode, you're going to hear me talking with Kate Studley, who works a full-time job, has a lot on her plate, as you're going to hear from our interview, but also runs her own business on the side as a career consultant. And Kate and I know each other from way back. We went to school together. And when I started my business and she saw me sharing this process, she reached out and was just super supportive and helpful. And we kind of reconnected um, as I started sharing my journey. And, And she made herself available to me really just as someone to, um, you know, be supportive and connect with. And I really appreciated that and then asked her to come on the show because she really is doing things totally different from the way that I did things. And I think that getting a unique perspective on all of the different ways that you can kind of go about doing your own thing is just so important because I never want to... Um, send the message that the way that I'm doing things is the way to do things. You know, I have a very unique uh, circumstance that made it so that I was able to really just kind of like leave everything behind and start my business. But in Kate's case, she went about things totally different, which is that she kind of had this thing gradually happen and turn into a business. She's doing it on the side. And as of right now, doesn't really have any plans to turn it into a full-time thing, but is just doing it on the side as a way to do something that she loves um, and just kind of explore it and let it be what it is. And I think that that is something that could be really helpful for people to hear because oftentimes we get hung up in this idea of, I can't do this because I would never be able to fully support myself doing it or I can't do this because I don't have the time and so we get into so much in this conversation this conversation was so long that I actually had to cut cut it down quite a bit to keep it to um, like a reasonable length for this for this interview we could have gone on forever but we get into so much we talk a lot about um, money and like asking for what you're worth and that feeling of the imposter complex that comes up oftentimes when we are trying to value ourselves. Um, We talk about valuing ourselves in general. We talk about, um, you know, the fact that everyone is really just figuring things out and this idea of just kind of like taking that first step and just figuring it out and how scary that is. And we also get into a lot of just like details about like, making time for this stuff. You know, like I said, Kate has a super full plate and she talks a little bit about how she makes time for her full-time job and the community events that she organizes and running this side business. And, you know, she just got married and she started this business and got married right around the time that like she moved and just all of this like real life stuff that comes up. And we get really into like a lot of just like the practical details 
details. So I hope that you guys enjoy this episode and that you enjoy this kind of unique perspective. Before we get into the episode, just a couple of things to point out for you. Um, First of all, I am still offering um, my 50% off for all of my listeners for the first year with HoneyBook, which is the client management program that I use. You guys have heard me talk about this before. HoneyBook is the program that I personally use in my business. It's the one that I recommend. And um, if you sign up for HoneyBook through the link in my show notes, you get 50% off your first year, but you also get me because I will set up a call with you to talk through any implementation issues that you're having and how I might be able to assist you in getting it set up. And um, depending on, you know, sort of your questions and how you're trying to use it, I can even offer you some implementation help. So I am still offering that. If you are interested and you need a client management solution, meaning um, something that is going to organize all of your projects and allow you to send proposals, contracts, invoices, keep all of your um, communications in one place and um, assist you with that, then HoneyBook might be a great solution for you. So make sure to go ahead and check out that link in the show notes. The other thing is if you're enjoying the show, if you would be so kind as to take just a couple of minutes to leave me a rating and a review, it makes a really, really big difference to the show. And for those of you who are listening and who are enjoying my content, but maybe are or not at a place yet where you want to work with me one-on-one or you don't feel like what I am offering with my one-on-one services is something that's quite right for you, leaving a rating and a review is a way that you can support me that really makes a big difference and I would really appreciate it. So thank you so much and um, I am just going to kick us off and get us right into this interview with Kate. All right. Hey, Kate. Hey, how's it going? Good. I am so excited to have you on. Um, So I really wanted to have you on today because as, you know, all of the listeners here know, I am really trying to kind of like demystify the process of kind of going out there and like doing your own thing. And I did it my way, which was to eventually (laughs) just be like, fuck it, I'm done. And then just like go 100% (laughs) off on my own. And I've kind of tried to bring people in who I can like talk about their process of sort of transitioning toward being self-employed. And for you, you right now are, you know, working um, your day job as the director of culture, which I think is like an interesting title. You were just talking about this and it sounds like you do so much. And then also doing your own thing on the side. And I really like would love for people to hear from somebody who is doing both things because I think that so often we're like, how could I possibly do everything that I'm doing now and do my own thing? And you are living that right now. Um, which is why I really wanted to have you on. So thank you so much for coming on. Um, why don't you tell everybody Yeah. Why don't you tell everyone a little bit about what you do as a career consultant and sort of like what that looks like for you right now? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, So I guess it probably makes the most sense to start a little bit with my background. So I uh, probably like some of your listeners have a very non-linear career path uh, after after we graduated high school together, uh, I went off to Roger Williams. I majored in English Lit and Spanish uh, and minored in political science. So everybody was like, you're going to be a teacher. And I said, no, I'm not. I'm going to go find something else to do. So I went and worked for an insurance company for a couple of years, realized I really did not like that at all. Uh, I learned a ton, but it wasn't for me. I pivoted into technical recruiting because the skill set was pretty transferable. 
um, I, that was kind of my way out was just to look at other jobs and say, okay, what am I doing now that I could do in another industry? And so much of it all came back to communication, critical thinking, so many different aspects of that job. Technical recruiting was a pretty good fit. It was an easy way out just because those jobs are pretty plentiful here in the Dallas area. So I pivoted out. I worked for a small technical staffing firm for I think about a year and a half, learned a ton, got into tech and was like, I really love this. I love helping people find jobs that they like and helping them make more money. I love this aspect of helping somebody kind of find that thing that makes them click, whether it's a technology they work with or the work environment or their team or whatever it is, you know, their location, their commute shorter, they can spend more time with their family, whatever it is. So I liked that, but I really didn't love sitting at a desk all day, like cold calling people. I thought that that sucked so bad. I was starting to get to a point where I thought I might uh, change jobs. I wasn't really actively searching yet, but at the time I had been on Twitter, I was trying to start finding other methods for recruiting people. So uh, I was scrolling through Twitter one day, saw a job posting for the campus director of a coding boot camp, read the job description and was like, holy crap, this is everything I've ever wanted to do in a job. So I interviewed, it was the only job I applied for because I wasn't really actively searching interview with the company. They hired me. I was ecstatic. I got to build their Dallas campus. So basically for the next two years, I worked with career changers. So people from all different industries, all different walks of life, um, really diverse group of people and watching people completely change their lives and work so hard through 12 weeks of coursework. And some of them doubled, tripled their income at the end of it, taking new jobs. And so a big portion of what I had done in that job was helping them with everything from resume writing, um, interviewing, just everything around the decorum and professionalism of interviewing for a job. And so many of them had no experience or maybe they had been in an industry for like 15 years and they had been in the same job and they had no idea what had changed or what was updated. You know, like coming to me with 10 page resumes and I'm like, this is terrible, we have to fix this. So that company unfortunately lost its funding. It was a startup. It had campuses all around the US. Uh, the investors pulled the funding back in October of 2017. Uh, so thankfully I built up a really great, um, network of businesses that I worked with to hire my students once they graduated. Uh, so I was snatched up by one of them, Life Blue. They hired me to come do some of the same work where they are. Um, and ever since I left that boot camp, uh, I've always kind of been that friend who people are like, Hey, I'm working on my resume. Do you mind taking a look at it? And I've always loved that. I've been happy to do it. And so once I switched jobs, I noticed like there is a dramatic increase in the number of people who are asking me to do this. It was like this coworker's spouse needs help with the job search. And so they want me to help them with their resume and, and help them find jobs to apply for. And they have lots of questions about the process. And then, Oh, well this guy's girlfriend needs some resume help and she's looking for a project manager role. And so I'm editing her resume and helping her with cover letters and proofreading them and giving her advice. And so I started to realize like, okay, now I'm at a point where it's like taking up time from my weekends. Like I'm sitting here on a Friday night, like reading through someone's resume because I promised them that I would do it. And I'm like, ah, it's not that I don't like doing this, but like it's starting to encroach on my personal time. And like, I had a moment where I was like, people get paid to do this shit. Like what the hell am I doing? So I remember there was like a weekend where, you know, I was like, oh man, I owe our friend like his resume, his job searching. I keep forgetting to look at it sitting in my inbox. And I think Matt just kind of looked at me and was like, why aren't you like, are you charging these people for this? And I was like, no. And he was like, why? And I'm like, well, 
you know, they're my friends. And he was like, you get fucking paid to do this for a living. Like, why are you doing this for free? And I was like, yeah, you're probably right. Like, I probably need to start charging for this. So I started to noodle it over and was like, all right, maybe I'll do a little bit of research, see what people are charging, what's the going rate for all of this stuff. And then I had a moment that kind of really solidified it for me. And it was during a Tuesday meetup I host. There's a coffee meetup in downtown Dallas called Dallas Open Coffee Club. Every Tuesday morning at 8 a.m., we kind of just a group of people who are really enthusiastic about tech and startups. And I went out uh, and I hosted every week. And afterwards, my friend Andrew, who runs a startup called Noise Aware, came over and was like, hey, you know, I've been trying to hire developers. Like, how do you do it? How do you get so many applications? How do you find good talent? I just don't, we don't really know what we're doing. We're struggling to get applications. I can't get good people in the door. And I looked at him and I was like, you know, I could give you a bunch of answers to this question, or you could pay me for this as a consultant. And so I kind of chatted with him and he was like, yeah, you're right. Like I, I should pay you. And I was like, I mean, you guys were a startup originally and you had no money, but I was like, no, you're traveling to China all the time. Like I see you coming in here with all these fancy suits. Like I know what you're up to. Like you got money, you can pay me if you're really hurting that bad. So we had a great conversation and he actually ended up being um, one of the first clients uh, that I worked with just in terms of, uh, you know, helping them find talent. And so it kind of was this slow realization of, oh, right, I have a skill that's marketable. And while I love my full-time job, none of us ever know what the future is going to hold, right? Like, I, you know, something could happen tomorrow at our agency and my company could be like, you're going to be laid off because that's what happened in my last job. I got laid off. And so I think it started to become this and just this moment that we live in this protective mindset of like how do I cultivate my own skill set running a business is partially one that I've had because I ran that campus and I had to raise that up you know I was managing the P&L for that campus but I've never run my own full-blown business and so I kind of got to this point where I was like I don't have anything to lose I have the safety net of a full-time job that pays me well and my husband works as a freelance graphic designer and I watched him the last year build his business. So I kind of had like a cheat sheet next, you know, right, right here in front of me where I could be like, uh, how did you do this thing? Can you send me all the research you did on bank accounts? I have no idea what the hell I'm doing. Um, so he was able to help. Uh, but I think I kind of got to that point where I was like, this is stupid. Like I can help people. I like doing this stuff. Um, but it's also okay. Like kind of giving my, myself the permission to charge for it and say like, I have a skill set that's worth something. And once you kind of make that first sale where you're like, oh my God, someone just gave me X amount of dollars to like write their resume for them. It's kind of this like mind blowing thing where you're like, oh, I'm doing it. Like I'm actually doing it, even though it still feels terrifying and kind of like you want to shit your pants every day. <laughs> Which I'm, I'm sure you can relate to. <laughs> I'm so glad you said that because I feel like every person I've talked to and even in my solo episodes, I'm like, do you like it just feels like you're going to throw up every day. But like, you know, you just get used to feeling like you're going to throw up every day. And it just becomes this thing that you're just like, you know what? Like if I don't feel like vomiting, maybe maybe I'm actually doing it wrong. Maybe doing it right feels like puking all the time or shitting your pants. I am convinced that it does. Uh, It is I mean, even like when I'm emailing people, like sometimes I'm emailing them and I'm like sweating. I'm like, why am I sweating right now? Like, yes. So nervous. Like I, I have got a couple of uh, in- like, we just got married. And when I got back, I had a couple of like inquiries in my inbox from new clients. And I was like, oh God, like this is because most of my stuff has just been referrals so far. And these were like cold. Like I had no idea how these people found me. And I was like, uh, 
like running the email, like sweating. I'm like, oh, <laughs> make sure you don't fuck this up. Like, make sure you write the email well. Like, make sure there's no typos. Make sure you proofread it a hundred times. Make sure, like, am I being too forward? Like, letting them know how the deposit works in this email. Like, is this too aggressive? Like, I'm yeah. considering everything and overthinking everything. And then I'm like, well, I'm not going to waste their time with a bunch of other emails when like, I'm just saying what I need to say. And then like five minutes later, I'm like, oh, I don't know, maybe it's too aggressive. Yep. And then I finally get to the point where I'm like, I just need to click send and whatever happens, happens. Like if, if I scare them away, I scare them away, but whatever. Yeah. Like you just have to do it. Yeah. I'm with you. I have so many questions from what you just said, but the first one that I want to ask, because I, I feel like I'm going to lose this thread is like, cause I was, yeah. I have this conversation with people all the time, which is people who have like an obvious skill and like they know that other people are charging for it. They know that they could be charging yeah. for it, but for some reason it is so hard to finally ask for the money. Um, did you have like, what was the experience like for you with the relationship with the people you were working with after that? Because I feel like for me, my experience was when I started charging the, the fair rate for my services, suddenly yeah. people were actually taking me way more seriously and like being way more respectful of me where I thought I was going to ask people for money and they were going to be like, who the fuck do you think you are? And instead it was just like, yes. And also now I'm going to like show up to these conversations from like so much more of like a prepared and serious place. Like what was that transition like for you? Yeah, I don't, I mean, it wasn't super dramatic, but I definitely realized I, I think for me, it was more from the perspective of, you know, everybody falls into that trap. Like when you start out, you're like, I'll take anything. Like you can pay me in pepperoni. I don't care. <laughs> like you're just like, I don't know. I'll take whatever you'll give me yep. because you're just trying to get started. And you're like, hopefully, hopefully I can get some traction anywhere. So like, sure. Yeah. I'll do that ridiculous amount of work for $50. Like I have one client right now. I love her, but I have met with her several times and I'm like, oh, she's gotten about mm, 20 times the value of what I charged her. And it's fine because, you know, you, you try to, you also try to keep things in perspective, right? Like we have a great relationship. She's going to be a great brand ambassador for me. Like we, she loves working with me. That has its own value. That is probably invaluable just for my business starting out. Um, but my, from an actual dollar perspective, I'm like, this is crazy. If I were actually keeping track of all the hours, like I'd probably be really upset with myself. Mm -hmm. um, so you kind of go from that that point where you're like, I'll take anything. And then slowly I realized like, and I had a couple of people in my life that were like, I looked at your website and your numbers are way too low. They're like, you need to be charging way more money for what you're doing than you are. And I'm like, really? And they're like, just go in there and edit it. So I did. And it was this weird thing where it's like people didn't even bat an eye. It was like yep. they do almost respect you more. It's like the weird paradox of you think you need to offer it for lower, but you really don't. And so it's, I don't know, it kind of messes with your head. And so the fact that people are now just like cold, you know, visiting my website, no contacts, maybe they clicked, maybe they found me on LinkedIn or something like that, but I don't have an actual touch point with them not even like questioning the rate they're just signing up I'm like this is a weird paradox like it's this weird thing where we think it's going to scare people away but you have to find that right value point I think and I still don't know that I'm 100% there I'm still kind of feeling it out but I, I definitely feel better about my own time being like okay I'm charging x for this service I do think that there is a uh, professionalism that comes with pricing the right value and people do start to take you more seriously because mm -hmm. they're like oh 
they cost money. Their time must be valuable. Cause I, I got to a point where I was, I had to stop doing the, I'll get coffee with you thing because people yes. were just take. They were asking me to go to coffee. They wouldn't even buy me the coffee. I'd have to pay for my own coffee. And then they'd sit and pick my brain for an hour and a half. And basically were asking me for advice that I, people pay me for. So yeah. I, now I got to a point where I was like, I can't, like, if you want to meet with me for coffee, that's an hour of consulting and it's going to cost a hundred dollars. From like, I definitely have had experiences where like things that started off as great relationships and people who could have been really great long-term clients, the relationship was spoiled because I became resentful of the amount of time that I was putting into that for close to nothing. And that was not their fault. That was on me. Like, because if I had asked for it, I would have gotten it, but I didn't. And like something that you said there, like with that kind of like point of like finding the right price, I was listening to an interview, um, this past week and it was with a woman, Lena West, who I just fucking love everything I've ever heard her say. I'm like, Oh my God, I love you. I was, I had like the privilege of being, of being in a like, um, session with her once, like a group session, just as like a bonus for um, another program that I'm in. And she talks about money a lot. And she was saying in this interview, like, your prices should not be designed to make people comfortable. Your prices should be designed to sit people on their ass and make them think if they want to make that investment or not. Like, if someone is responding immediately with like, uh, yes, then you can probably go higher. And when you get to the point that people are hesitating and thinking it over, that means that when they come back to you and they say yes, they are fully invested in you and you know that it's a great fit and they're going to know that they need you. And when I think about that, that is so reassuring for me because I have lots of people who tell me that they can't afford me. And you know what? Like, I just need to be okay with the fact that at this point, they don't see the value in what I offer. That doesn't mean that it's not valuable. It just means that if we worked together, it would not be a great fit. Like I would end up feeling the same way that I have felt with other people where I didn't charge enough. And eventually it just turned into like, I can't show up to this with the same energy or just problem solving ability or like enthusiasm that I would with somebody else who like really knows my value and really like hangs on to every word that I say because they're, they're fully committed to the investment that they're putting into working with me. So. Yeah, it really is a huge difference. I mean, on on both of those points, one on friends or pre- exist previously existing relationships, I have definitely even with my lawyer. Like when I set up my LLC, my friend Neil is a lawyer, and I reached out to him, and I was not expecting him to do it for free at all. And we had a conversation about it. He was like, "Listen, I I charge all of my friends. Like I don't do anything for free." He's mm-hmm. like, "It destroys friendships." So he was like, I'll give you a wedding discount because you're getting married. And that that's, you know, a token of my friendship. But he was like, at the end of the day, like, I respect you too much to not charge you. And while a lot of people would be like, that's a douchey lawyer thing to say, I was like, I totally respect you for that. Like, I wouldn't expect you to do it for free. And I appreciate you more now. Uh, and he took care of it all. I mean, you anybody can create an LLC. He did like a bunch of stuff for me and just took care of it all and just gave me back the document, which is really what I wanted. I was like, I don't want to... I was at a point where I was like, I want to do this thing, but I'm overwhelmed with the work I have. So I'm just mm-hmm. going to pay someone to take care of it all for me and for me that works. Um, but I was like, I respect that a lot. And it was a good lesson just from, cause he runs his own business. So it was a nice kind of touch point for me starting out being like, 
friendly reminder, like don't, you know, don't do a bunch of shit for your friends for free. Um, but like you said, it really does change the level of investment. Um, and I'm always happy, you know, because my expertise, the challenge is that sometimes people don't have a lot of money, like they may mm -hmm. be out of work when they need my help. So I'm always happy to be flexible. And I want to try and meet people where they're at, especially if somebody is, you know, uh, disadvantaged in any way, whether they're, mm -hmm. you know, come from a, you know, a background that has disadvantaged them, I'm certainly always willing to make exceptions, because I don't want to be another yet another barrier. And I want to always donate my time and, and in ways that can be meaningful and helpful. But I have realized and, and working at the coding boot camp really actually taught me this. Um, it's like a weird, like, it was a weird social experiment, because we started to realize, like, Sometimes when you try to give someone a full scholarship to help them, there's actually nothing at stake for them. And it actually results in worse failure than even if you had just told them, you could do this for $100, like pay us $100. $100 is a lot to that person, maybe. But mm -hmm. if they have no skin in the game, they don't give a shit. They oh don't. And it could, they could be in the worst life situation. They could have had all the worst shit happen to them. And you could, you could be a bleeding heart for them. And I say that because I am, I'm the worst. I'm, I am empathetic to my own detriment, too empathetic. <laughs> and you hand something to somebody and it's not that they don't want it. It's not that they're, you know, they don't potentially have the work ethic. It's just, they have zero skin in the game. So they're like, well, I have nothing to lose. So if I don't show up, then nothing happens. Like yep. have to have that mutual agreement with somebody that you have to have the exchange where something's on the line and so when people feel like this is an investment I'm making but it is also a bit of a punch to my wallet or my bank account or my pocket then they're like well shit I better show up otherwise I wasted my money and and this is going to feel like shit and then I have to answer to whoever my business partner my life partner myself whoever when when it goes awry and I didn't show up for it so there's definitely uh some truth to that in my experience yeah. yeah no I think that you're totally right and like for me I have been going through this thing where I'm like I've been thinking a lot about creating like a group program for people and oh my gosh, I've gone back and forth on this because I'm like, do I create the content and charge people to be a part of this program? Or do I just say, you know what, like I'm early enough in this that I should just, I should just provide the value and just give it to people for free, whether it be like an email list building opportunity or whatever. And what I keep going back and forth with is I'm like, if I give this to people for free, they're not going to fucking do it. Like, I really, I really don't think that they will. I mean, and like, I can provide a really, really small boiled down version of it. And that's ultimately, I'm sure what I'm going to end up doing. But like, I know myself, how many free offers are there out there on the internet that I could be taking advantage of? And I'm not taking advantage of any of them. And yet there are other things that I pay for that like, you better believe I am showing up. Like you better believe that that time is blocked off on my calendar. And like every two weeks when that program meets or whatever, like I am there and I take it seriously because of the fact that I invested in it. And I also think that there's a, a part of it where it's like, we feel like we we feel like we are doing people a favor by charging them less and making that decision for them. And what we don't realize is like, yeah. have the respect for that person enough to realize that they are a smart and capable adult who is capable of making their own decisions with their money. That is up to them. If they don't want to, then that is fine. There is going to be somebody else out there who's a great fit for you, who sees the value, who will want to, and that decision is on yeah. them. And like, 
I have definitely had the experience and I feel like everyone who I've ever talked to about this can relate to this where at some point you like, you feel guilty by asking people for more because you almost feel like you're putting them in a position where like it would be, um, like you're not sure if it's a responsible decision for them. To pay, mm-hmm. Like you don't know if they need it that badly or you don't know if it's like a responsible decision for them. And first of all, you will always undervalue yourself. So just expect that to come up because you're always going to feel like, you know, what you offer is just so obvious and easy that why would anyone ever need to pay for it? Um, I feel it every day, every day. Yeah. I'm always like, these people could go, like so many people could just make their own resume and I go back and forth all the time. It's like, there are days when I'm like, this is so dumb. Like, why would people pay me for this? Like, this is stupid. I can't believe I'm like going to try and charge someone this. And then I see it play out and I'm like, somebody comes to me, they have industry experience, but they just don't have the finesse and the nuance and the years of experience. Like I've been looking at resumes for years. I've interviewed thousands of people and they just don't have that experience. So they, they are only operating within their own perspective and context. And even if they've been a manager, sometimes they still haven't interviewed that many people or they're still out of touch of like what the best practices are. And so to sit down with somebody and kind of clear the cobwebs away mm-hmm. and then watch them immediately, like within a week or two, start getting interviews and then they get hired and they exceed their salary expectations because I taught them how to negotiate or whatever the case might be. It's like, then I, I have that moment where I'm like, of course it was worth $200 for that, like whatever it was, like, right. Of course it was worth $400. Like they just made 20 grand. Like, yeah, they can afford it. It's, it's just, it, it's so weird how we go back and forth and like, con- it's just imposter syndrome is so overwhelming where we just like, we feel so confident some days. And then some days we're like, I'm a pile of bullshit. Like, what am I doing? Like, why would anyone hire me for this? And it's just such a weird, it's such a weird, weird thing. Yeah. Um, I think that it it very often comes back to this feeling that like how difficult it is for us should in some way be tied to how much we're charging for something. And it's like, if it's only going to take me like, you know, an hour to do it, then I shouldn't be charging that much. Like if I can do it super quickly, then it should be like really cheap. And it's like, no, the shit that you do really, really easily and really quickly is the stuff that you should be charging the most for because it means that that's what you are like the best at. Um, and, and that is to, so hard to, to wrap your head around. And I talk to my fiance about this all the time because as a graphic designer, it is so difficult to help people understand why you're charging what you charge because they don't understand, like, you know, we'll take the weekend and he'll have some big branding project on his plate. And we take the weekend and we're walking around downtown and we go to a museum And he's like finding all this inspiration and like, we're talking and we're learning. And I'm like, this is all the stuff they don't see. Like you're right now you're doing work. You maybe we're not positioning it that way, but this this is actual work. Like this is what goes into the end product that you create, but they don't Mm -hmm. see all these hours of like, Hey, this weekend I'm going to go shoot some photography and, and try to, you know, go to a museum or go do this thing or go to this workshop or whatever it is. They don't understand like the hours of thinking and, devising and inspiring and doodling and whatever the creative process is that goes into one hour of translating that into something on a screen. You're not paying for my five minutes of completing this task. Like I can look at a cover letter in five minutes and and edit it and proofread it and be like, boop, 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 fix this, change this, do this, done. 
but I've spent years like reading them, curating them, practicing them with people, writing them myself, this weird thing um, to figure out how to quantify that. It's really difficult. And there's no yeah. handbook. I mean, I've gone on whatever it is, Upwork and all these sites. And like, there are people who are doing this stuff. Like people will on there will be like, I'll write you a resume for, for 25 or 50 bucks all the way through like people charge thousands and thousands of dollars for <laughs> yeah. it. And I'm like, you're like, what the hell? Like, how, where do I even start? Like, yeah, it's crazy. It's so hard to defining your own value is, I think, has been one of the most challenging things about it. It's really hard, and we're always looking to people to tell us what the right answer is. And like, yeah. I think that's so funny because, like, it's it's something that I hear people say all the time. We're like, you know, working with people to help them figure out how they can like work less, basically. Um, oftentimes comes down to like your rate, like you can work half as much if you charge twice as much. And a lot of the people that I work with are like new in their business. So they're struggling with this. Like I have struggled with this, like, um, mm -hmm. and yeah, it's really hard because everything that you just said, like, those are the conversations that we have with ourselves where we're like, well, it only takes me this long. And it's like, well, really like, let's break this down. Like, if you're making like $100 an hour, are we to believe that you're working 40 hours a week making $100 an hour like billable work? No. And it's not like it's not like you're just like, you know, making $100 an hour, raking in the cash and then sitting there like eating fucking bonbons for the rest of the week. You're working your ass off, right? Yeah. Like you're working your ass off to run that business. And so like really like it doesn't it's it doesn't work that way. And it, and it takes some learning to figure out like that actually there's so much work that goes into it. And that hundred dollars an hour, whatever it is that you're charging is not like a hundred dollars for you to sit down and do that one piece of work. It's, it's for you to do all of the work that goes into you being able to show up to that, to do the work. And it's, it's not yeah. obvious, but we all learn it. And that process that you went through and the process that I went through where we just start off charging way too little and we're like, wait, really? Yeah. Like, I can do that. And then like, yeah. you know, we're looking around to everybody else to like see what we should be charging. And it's like, they're all doing the same thing that we are. They're all also just figuring it out. And like that rate is like in some respects kind of arbitrary and it's up to us to just say like, this is what I charge and that's it. I really think that one of my greatest revelations, and I don't know at what age this happened. I'm, you know, I'm 29 now, but I think the greatest one of the greatest moments in life is when you whatever point it happens when you realize that everyone is really just trying to make it like every nobody has it figured out yeah. I don't know at what point in my career this happened it was probably like the end of my first job beginning of my second job out of college where I was like oh right these people seem like they know what they're doing but like everyone is really just tr like sort of mostly winging it and trying to figure out what works and what doesn't that is like the greatest that helps me sleep at night because when there are days when I'm like what the fuck am I doing I have no fucking clue I have no idea I don't know my accounting software won't link to my bank anymore I don't know what I'm doing I'm gonna have to go find a new one like I don't know how to do this properly I'm just gonna go ask people and crowdsource answers for that like you have those days where you feel so overwhelmed and you're like I'm not qualified to do this and you're like oh right pretty much no one is everyone just right. figured it along the way like even if you have an MBA or a whatever whatever education background you come from like 
you could have all the education and all the preparation and no, nothing will prepare you for actually just going out and doing it, which is why I think I have a little bit of a unique perspective on it working so much in the startup community in Dallas because I started out kind of as a volunteer and forayed into it when I was working at the, the coding boot camp. And I learned so much about the different types of people. And there are, you know, there are the people who talk a lot about doing it. And then there are the people who are actually doing it. And it's such a difference. Like the people who are actually doing it are like, yeah, it's terrifying. I have no idea what the hell I'm doing. And the people who aren't doing it are like, yeah, I'm like a biz. I own like seven businesses. Like I know all the things. It's like totally awesome to be a business owner. And like, I have like all the startups and you're like, no, you don't. If you did, you would, you would be openly admitting that it's terrifying and you have no fucking clue what you're doing. Yeah. It because really the real world experience. And when you feel it, all you want to do is like showcase, like at, the, at one point you're like, I don't want to tell anyone what I'm feeling, but at the same time, you just want to like showcase your vulnerability to everyone and be like, I have no idea. I don't know. I'm just trying to figure it out. I have no fucking clue. Yeah. If you have answers, let me know. It's so liberating to get to that point where you can just be like, you know what? I am totally fucking winging it. And then just have people look back at you and be like, oh my God, me too. And you're like, yes, thank God. The best thing about it is like at the end of the day, you know, I think I just would like to say that I, that I tried and that I gave it my best shot. However, it, it works out. But I mean, I look back now and it's been a year since my husband has been in his own business. And when he started out, we had some rough weeks and I didn't know if we were going to make it to this point, but he's a year in and he's finally starting to stabilize a little bit. We've got a little bit of his, you know, uh, lead generation under control, but like so much of it has just been winging it and trying to build the confidence to say no to the clients you don't want and yes to the ones that you do mm-hmm. and reach for the clients that you want. And, and it's, it's hard, but it's, it's nice to talk to people about it because when you realize other people are really just trying to figure it out. I mean, the business I work for, they've been doing it for 14 years now. And there are still days when, you know, my boss is very open with me. He's like, yeah, I don't really know what I'm doing regarding this thing. Like, what are your ideas? And we just sit and talk through it. And I'm like, thank God. Like, thank God he's a normal human who like, isn't projecting some kind of ridiculous, like I have it figured out. Like, the people who say they have it figured out are mostly just full of shit. Oh my God. So full of shit. And also like, I have to remind myself of this all the time because like, I feel like in the position that I'm in, like I need to, we all feel like this in some way. Everybody feels like they need to like masquerade as though they have the answers so that they can appear professional and then people are going to want their help. And like, for me, like that's one of the biggest things that I struggled with is like, how am I supposed to like sell myself as like an expert in like operating a business and then also be honest about the fact that I am brand new to operating my own business. How the fuck does that work? And everyone who I said it to would just look at me and just be like, I am dying for someone to just be honest about the fact that they're also just trying to figure it out. And it's like, we can all have those experiences with other people where we're like, I want somebody to help me who's just going to be real about this. I want somebody to help me who's going to be like standing alongside me and is maybe like a few steps ahead of me. But like, Mm -hmm. I don't need somebody who like has all the answers because like really like having all the answers, like you said, to me is a red flag. Like that to me makes me feel like you're full of shit. And so I constantly have to remind myself like it's okay to be honest about the fact that like I don't have it all figured out, but like I'm pretty good at like, problem solving and trying to improve things. And if I just like 
show other people how I'm doing that and like bring them along with me. That's all that people are asking for. No one's asking for you to be like the best of the best at everything. It's interesting because listening to like how this happened for you, it was like the, it feels like from hearing you talk about it, it was like the opposite of what happened to me, which was <laughs> for me, I was just like for so long, I was like, I know for a fact that I need to be working for myself and I do not know for the life of me what to do. Where for you, where you were kind of like, oh, this is great. And then it was just like, it kind of like naturally progressed. Like, yeah. did you have like a time where like you, did you know that you wanted to like kind of do your own thing or did this kind of just like come about? I don't know. I mean, I think I always thought about it, especially when I was working for the coding boot camp. I think I started to see more of a reality of like, maybe I would own my own business someday. And then a lot of the connections I have made in the last couple of years doing some of this work, I've got a couple of friends that we have worked on projects together and we've kind of always joked like, hey, maybe we would start a thing. And I actually have chatted with a couple of friends, like one of my friends is a serial entrepreneur, and we've we've sat down and done like business canvas model for a couple of different ideas. And we've never really thrown anything into full motion, but I think I'd always known like there was a pretty good chance I was going to start something just because, and I'm sure you probably have the same bug, is like, I am a fiercely independent person. My first job <laughs> post-college where I wrote a, thesis my, my thesis in college was a Marxist analysis of the movie there will be blood which basically talks about how terrible capitalism is and then I went to work for a fortune 500 company in insurance <laughs> like it could not have been more hilarious uh, and I was like we all know how this is gonna end and it ended exactly the way I thought it would I think in that experience I was like I really hate working for the man like I this is not for me like I don't like people telling me to do things just to do them when there are better and more efficient ways like this is stupid and so I swung in the opposite direction I went to work for a business that had like eight people and then now I've kind of find that ha found that happy medium the business I work for now is like 40-ish people um I have had a hand in curating it probably about half of them uh which has been an honor but it's a fantastic group of people I have a ton of autonomy and I realized that I really do need that autonomy and the ability to make business decisions. I don't want someone who is like, you don't know anything. Like, don't worry, your pretty little head. I'll make all the decisions for you. We don't care about your opinion and your expertise. Like the first week I started my current job, but I had this moment where I was like, oh my God, people do respect my authority and like my knowledge and expertise. And I think that was kind of empowering. So it slowly started to dawn on me. Um, like, hey, this could be uh, something that I maybe I go into business for myself someday. And, you know, I have no idea what that looks like in the future. I don't know if what I have going on on the side. I mean, right now, I don't have any plans to build it into something more than just a solid side hustle. But, you know, who knows what the future holds? And maybe it will become something like that someday. Um, but it's really nice because it complements the work I do full time. So mm -hmm. it's not really in conflict as long as I honor you know, the work I'm doing full time, um, it really just makes it even better because I'm building my own pipeline. Essentially, I'm, cur I'm curating really good candidates and attracting more talent. So, um, but yeah, I think, I think I probably didn't realize I had that bug uh, for starting a business until like within the last five years or so. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that like your, your, the way that you're doing things is so interesting to me. And I'm so glad to like be talking to you about it because I think that 
for a lot of people, they have a thing that kind of like maybe people are asking them to do it or maybe they just think that they might want to do it and they think to themselves like, yeah, but I don't know how I could make a full-time living off of that, so I'm just not going to do it. And like you can do multiple things. You don't have to like, if you want to start like a side business or something, even if it's not going to turn into like your full-time job one day, it doesn't need to. And like if you have something that you want to do on the side, like you don't have to have it all figured out. You're allowed to start with like no plan for ever doing that if that's what you want to do. There's never going to be the time where it's like, my website is perfect and my contracts are all written and my bank account set up. Now I'm ready for business. It's like, no, like yeah. someone's knocking at your door and they're like, Hey, will you take my money? I really need help. And you're like, uh, yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay. Or some people turn that down at that moment because they think that they're not ready. And like the secret is that like you will always come up with one more thing that you need to do before mm-hmm. you're ready. You will keep tinkering with the stuff. You'll keep trying to make everything perfect. And like I always say like you don't even know what it needs to look like until you're doing the work. Like you don't you will not even know what even needs to be in the fucking contract until you know what I mean? And so like that fear of like and by the way like I think that imposter complex comes up with that. I think that there's just like this fear of like, I'm doing something totally new. Also, if you're like me and you have anxiety, then when anxiety and imposter complex both show up at once, you can do what I did and have a panic attack over the fact that you think that you're literally going to lose your entire life because you took on a client, they want to pay you and you are accepting their money and you don't have the perfect like contract or whatever set up yet. And they're going to sue you for everything you're worth. It's totally normal to feel that way, but also just know that like that that's not the way that it works. Like you are not going to go into your first job with like all of the things figured out. It's totally normal. And even if you think that you're like, you know, that everything's going to come crashing down and you've totally fucked up, um, you probably haven't. It's probably just totally normal to be terrified. Yep. Yeah, it really is. And I think I think taking that first step is just so hard for people. Like they're just so afraid of failure. And obviously it depends on what situation you're in, right? Like if you have any, uh, any savings or any support, you know, uh, that's income wise, if you have the ability, if you don't, I mean, there's so many different situations, so it can vary so greatly. And like I said, I was very lucky, like, you know, my, if it, if Matt's freelance stuff dried up tomorrow and my stuff dried up, like we'd still be okay on my regular full-time income. Um, it would be more challenging, but we could do it. And so it's nice that this is, you know, additional income, but it's still like helping enormously with things. And I'm not making any, I honestly, to, to date, I have not paid myself once out of my, out of the money I've made. <laughs> it's yeah. all just in my business bank account. I'm having like struggles with my accounting system right now because I'm using Wave and they stopped connecting to my bank and it's a cluster and I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to move to. But it's like, I haven't even, I'm still in that stage of like, I'm like, okay, I got to figure out, like be thinking about paying taxes, even though I've like barely made any money. I'm like, I'm already like, how much do I have to give to Uncle Sam? Like, I don't want to take too much out and then be like worried about it. And I'm already like, I paid so much out of pocket to start things. And I'm like, well, can I reimburse myself for that? I'm like still trying to figure that stuff out, even though it's just been, you know, since March that I've been doing this, it's now October. So it's not a crazy amount of time. And I'm stupid. And I started a business and planned a wedding in the same year because I'm insane. And we moved apartments. 
So like all of that stuff on top of it, but it's, it really is just this thing of like, I had to start somewhere. So I'm like, I started, I've had a couple of clients. I just had a client last week. Uh, she, or not last week, but a couple of weeks ago, right before I left for the wedding, we both, Matt and I both were like, we can take on some additional work. It'll be good. We can make some money before the wedding. And then we both were like, we're going to die. We took on way too much work. Why did we do this? But I had a great client who is a friend of his and she came to me. She was like, I need some help with my resume. I just really want to talk and like time to do a, a small consultation. So we sat down and the next day I was like, Hey, I'm going to, um, I'm going to get you connected with this business. I think you should uh, apply for this job with them. They're, they're really great. I got her connected. And when I got back from my wedding, she's like, yeah, I got a six figure offer from them. Thank you so much. That was amazing. And I was like, amazing. This is great. This is why I do this. Like, this is perfect. So now she's like referring other clients to me. So it's like when I have those moments of panic where I'm like, what the hell am I doing? And then it works seamlessly like that. I'm like, okay, all right. I have some idea what I'm doing, you, <laughs> but it's like yes. it's, these swings are like so natural, but you're like, I just have to start somewhere. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, maybe by next year, maybe by my one year anniversary, I'll have it. Some of it figured out and I'll have contracts written, but I'm like, so far it's working. Okay. I'm operating in every best interest of the people around me. I'm not doing anything shady. So I'm not as worried about the contract stuff. I mean, I'm pretty sure someone's not going to sue me for writing them a shitty resume, which I'm not going to write them a shitty resume. But if they do, I'll be like, Hey, do you want your couple hundred bucks back? Exactly. Uh, Exactly. Yeah. I've gone through the same thing. And like, I'm really curious too, for you, because like you were saying that you, you know, you were planning a wedding, like you're moving, you've been working full time, like all this stuff, you like host this, like, you know, thing that you were talking about, like your coffee hour thing, like you're doing all this stuff and then you like go and start a business. And so like, so many people are like, well, I would love to do that, but I don't have time. And, um, you know, like it is normal to feel like, stressed and overwhelmed. And like for a lot of people, like I have the privilege of like not having kids. And so, well, I consider that a privilege. I don't mean that in a shitty way. I just mean like for me, I don't, I'm coming- I don't have kids, but yes, I yeah, know you like, mean in a shitty way. I'm at least coming from a place of privilege in that I can, I, I get a lot of, I have a lot more free time than a lot of other people yeah. do. And I understand that, but also like you do so much. And so I'm curious, like how, what has that been like for you? Because it sounds like you, you have no plans of like stopping this anytime soon. So like <laughs> what keeps you going? Um, and like, are there things that you've kind of had to like give up or like, you know, not do in order to make this happen? Yeah, that's a good question. I think this is going to sound cheesy and cliche as hell. Um, but when I was in college, I worked at a cafe and the chef I worked with, uh, we spent a ton of time in the kitchen together and he became a really good friend and I would consider a mentor of mine. And I remember I would come in and we would talk about, we went through like the phase where he was meditating all the time. And he was like, do you meditate? And we were like talking about different things in life that we made time for. And I was like, well, you know, I don't have time to do this thing or that thing, or I don't have time to meditate. And he looked at me and he was like, nothing's a priority until you make it a priority. So if you're not doing it, then it's not a priority for you. Mm-hmm. And it, I mean, maybe it was just the young impressionable age of 20 or whatever I was when I worked there, but it really sank in with me. And to this day, when people tell me they don't have time for something, like the most common thing I get with like coworkers and stuff, they're like, well, I don't have time to work out. And I'm like, no, no, we all have time for whatever's important to us. Like we have time. It's just how you manage it and what you are choosing to spend your time on. Mm -hmm. And yes, that looks different for everyone. If you have a family, your time allocation and management is much different than like it is for me. I do not have a family, but like I wake up at five every day and I go to the gym and it sucks 
F waking up at five in the morning, but it's the only time I have to do it. And I hate working out in the evening because I'm not an evening person. And so like, you know, at nine o'clock at night, I'm not trying to go get a workout and I'm, my brain's like shutting down and I'm mm-hmm. like, I want to go to sleep in like an hour or two. Um, so I think part, part of it for me has been figuring out when I'm the most productive at certain things. So like the morning hours are the best for me. I love, I wish, I wish the morning was like six hours longer. Oh my God. <laughs> me too. <laughs> when I wake up and I get up at five, people are like, that's crazy early, but I have the most clarity yes. and the most peace in the early hour, like mm-hmm. hours of the morning. No one is awake. No one is texting me, uh, Slack messaging me, Facebook messaging me. No one is awake and they are not bothering me. So I can sit on the days I don't go to the gym, like on Tuesdays when I do that meetup, I will sit for two hours and just knock out a ton of work and have time to think and, you know, have a cup of coffee and breathe and take a breath and kind of uh, think through what's on my plate. But I think so much of it really has been, uh, I've had a huge advantage in that my husband started his business. So he also works a lot. And we try to be careful about not overworking. We had a conversation about it yesterday of like, because I got home and he <laughs> he'll kill me for saying this, but I, I got home and he had like, he was like playing video games and he had drank like a bottle of wine. And I was like, whoa, living it up. And he was like, honestly, like I, he's like, I'm just having one of those days. Like I, I'm burning my brain out and I just have to stop. And I was like, no, I was just teasing, like, go for it. If you want to yeah. kill a bottle of wine and have some video games, like you do you because you need to, we can't work every single night of the week. Like right. we try really hard to make like Sunday nights, like our family time where we spend time together, we decompress, we don't use devices, we put our phones away. Um, I love that. So I think kind of remembering like what's priority, like how do we find ways to make time for each other, even if it's difficult with work, but it really helps when your spouse is like on a Saturday, like, hey, I'm going to go to a coffee shop for a couple hours and knock out some work. Do you want to come with me? Like so much easier when you're in it together entrepreneurship wise, or just like life mission wise, where you can support each other. That has been an enormous advantage that I don't know. I think back to past relationships and I've had a couple of partners in my life where they were just super pissed at me that I would want to work for more than 40 hours a week. Like they had a nine to five and when they were done, they were done. And it's not really ever been like that for me. It's kind of always bled over because I do a lot of networking events. I host a lot of events. Um, You know, my office is kind of far away from where I work and my coworkers hang out a lot. So I think trying to get a good grasp on like, what are the goals I actually want to accomplish? Like I, you know, I started my own podcast with a coworker this year and that was difficult because we ran into that thing where we were like, we don't have a lot of time. So we planned, we kept talking about it for like six months and we would have these planning meetings and the planning meetings would be like us just talking about doing stuff. (laughs) And my boss kept being like, when are you going to watch that podcast? And I was like, soon, soon we will soon stop asking, but soon. And then finally we sat down and we were like, we just got to record this thing, huh? We just got to buy the equipment and record and just do something because we keep talking about it and it is a priority and we don't want to keep talking about it. So I think sometimes it's just trying to figure out where you can squeeze out some time and make compromises and figure out like, okay, I, you know, for me, honestly, it's been like, I go to less concerts and I do a little bit less stuff with friends right now while I'm, while I'm kind of getting this going but not a ton. We still make time for stuff. I think it's just like, Hey, on Saturday morning, I'm going to get up and go work out and get grocery shopping done. And then I'm going to come home and I will work for three hours and then I'll have the rest of Saturday to go do stuff. So I think it takes, it does definitely take a lot of self-discipline. Yeah. Uh, so if you don't have that and you're just kind of like, 
I'm going to be willy nilly about it. It's probably not ever going to get done. You really do have to kind of make those commitments. And I'm like religious about my calendar. I, if it's not on my calendar, it, it doesn't happen. And I know everyone says that, but it's super true for me. I, my husband was never a calendar person. And now he, he sends me calendar invites for everything. <laughs> he sent me a calendar invite to remind me to register for an event we both go to. And I was like, I think this is too far even for me. <laughs> like I don't need a calendar event to remind me about a calendar event. <laughs> And I was just like, this is crazy, but I appreciate you because he understands that it's what, it's the only thing that keeps me sane because if it's not on my calendar, I won't keep track of it. I, but it's how I block my time too. So it'll be like Saturday, 10 to one o'clock, I'm doing this activity. I'm going to work on this person's resume or whatever. And then Saturday comes and I'm like, all right, it's time to do it. Got to go down to the coffee shop and go work on it or go block myself in the room and, and do it. Um, so it's tough, but, you know, there's, there's definitely no denying that there can be weeks where it's tough. Like I'm even this week, I'm kind of finding my brain was a little burned out. I was at work and I was just kind of like, man, I am really struggling to focus right now. And so I think sometimes you have to just figure out when you've reached those breaking points and what your refresher is so that you don't get burned out because you can't, no one can work. The people who tell you they work like 110 hours a week or whatever, like they're full of shit. No one's actually working that much. Sleep is just as important as all the other things. If you don't get enough sleep, you can't get anything done. I need like six, seven hours a night to be functional. So the people who are saying they're not getting those things and they're like, I'm hustling and grinding every day. I, you know, I go to bed at four in the morning and I get up at seven and, you know, I'm crushing it. They're full of shit. They're not doing anything. They're also not healthy. because They're not sleeping. Like make, you know, make your health a priority. I, I refuse to compromise. I will always make time for my workouts because they're what helps me keep, you know, keep me sane. So I think, I mean, I don't know if I answered your question. I just rambled a lot, but hopefully that. No, you definitely did. Yeah, you definitely did. And I think that like for some people, like, like for you and for me, like I'm like this too. It's like, you know, like having all of your days planned out and like having things on your calendar. For some people, it's like understand what it is that you're spending your time on. Like just bring your awareness to how you're spending your time and observe the things that you are spending your time on. Because I promise you, there are things that you're doing that are not helping you, that make you feel like shit, that are not good. Like if you think that you don't have time, like, okay, so for me, for example, like I feel like, you know, I am pretty aware of how I'm spending my time. However, over the past week and a half, I've been on a like social media like break where like I have 20 minutes on my phone where I can go on. The intention of that is that every 24 hours I can go on, I can put up a post, I can respond to comments directly and I can respond to DMs. I don't scroll. I gave myself 20 minutes after that like my husband has the passcode. I don't know what it is. I've yet to, I've hit the 20 minute mark once. So, and I definitely like got off track and started like scrolling, right? Like 20 minutes is plenty of time. And suddenly I am so much more fucking productive. And this is coming from somebody who is like, I like do time audits and I do like, I do time audits all the time because I have my clients do time audits. So I'm like trying to like practice what I preach. And even me, like, I'm totally in denial about the amount of time that I spend on social media. So like I'm horrified no every week when I get that screen report. I'm like, I spend how much time on my phone? Yes. <laughs> like you have the time. Like it's just that you're spending it on other things and you just need to be aware of how you're spending it and what you don't want to spend it on. I was listening to a 
podcast interview a few weeks ago. And I want to say it was Marie Forleo who like is, you know, just like super successful life coach. And she was saying like, she said this and I was like, this is the most simple thing ever. And I am obsessed with this now. And I keep saying it to myself, which is like, anytime that you say to yourself, like, I can't do that. Or like, I don't have the time to do that. Shift the language for yourself to, I won't do that. And like, it's fine if you don't want to do it, but just be aware of the fact that you are making that decision. And if you say to yourself, like, I want to start a business, but I won't because I have all these other things to do, just be aware of the fact that you're making that decision. And if you're okay with that, then great. But if that makes you like squirm and you're like, fuck, like I could do it, but I'm just choosing not to like, then be aware of the fact that you're making that choice. And like, there are things that you could do, things that you don't need to be spending time on. The time is there. It's about how you're spending it. And like for, you know, you and I, it's blocking off our calendars and being super meticulous for other people. It's setting boundaries, like with the shit that you're spending time on that is just not good for you you know it really is and you know it's like the same person who will tell you that they don't have time to work out will be like yeah I was up until 2 a.m last night and I'm like if you had what wait a minute you were up till 2 a.m and you didn't have time to get a 30 minute workout in like no one's telling you you need to work out for like you know an hour and a half but it's just you know again it really is just that shift in mindset and there's so much like guilt around whatever it is like I use workout because it's an easy example I don't care whether people work out or not. I hope you do because it's really it, it can be really good for you depending on whatever your thing is. But it's like whatever it is, if it's like I'm gonna go do this thing with my kid, or I wish I made more time to paint, and then they're like, I just never find that time. It's like because you have to make it. Like it's not it's not gonna magically appear in your calendar one day. You're gonna be like, oh, it's Saturday. I have four kids. Like I suddenly have an hour to paint. Like no, that's never gonna happen. You have to go, hey partner I love a lot like what could we do so that I could find an hour to do this thing is it that we put the kids in front of a movie for an hour and then I go in the basement and I paint for an hour like you have to come up with a plan to achieve that thing it's never going to magically appear and for me it was like okay I am going to uh, figure out when I can get a workout in and for me it's like I'm gonna set my alarm and put my clothes out and make sure my water bottle's full that way at 5 a.m when I roll my ass out of bed and I'm tired as hell all I have to do is put my clothes on and go to the fridge and grab my water bottle. I don't even have to put ice in it because it's already in it. And I just walk out the door. It's like, you have to create the path of least resistance for yourself to be successful. Yes. And whether that's conversations with your partner to say like, Hey, he's not, I mean, we had so many of them when Matt started his business, we both sat down. We we're like, this guy fucking sucks for like six months. Like it's going to be horrible. It's going to be, they're going to be tears. We're probably going to fight some it's going to be difficult. We're going to be like stressed about money. Like this is going to be an uphill battle and we have to like be on the same page before we go into this war together. Like it's going to be hard, but we knew it was important for so many reasons. And you should totally have him on your podcast because talking to him about starting his business, like great, like he has just been such a champion with it. He's done such a great job and learned so much. Um, But it was one of those things where it's like, you have to be willing to draw whatever your line in the sand is and say Mm -hmm. the bullshit is behind me I'm going to be serious about this and not that you you know every path is like a squiggly line right it's never just like boop and it's up and over it's like up and then down some and then up a little and then down and then up so it's like you you have to be willing to just take that first step and say like whatever this thing is I'm going to make it a priority I'm going to make time for it maybe I wake up 30 minutes earlier and I go Mm -hmm. for a walk 
and yep. it, maybe they walk just to get coffee, but it's still a walk or something, you know, you have to kind of start somewhere with making those priorities. And then once you do, like, it's so much easier. I mean, I've been getting up at five and going to the same gym for like four years now. And now it's, I'm just programmed that way. And it's, I don't even think about it. And if I don't go, I'm like, ah, my routine's destroyed. Like I hate it. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I could go on about that forever. And like what you had said about like having conversations about like the time that you need and like asking for what you need. And like, guess what? It's really fucking magical. Cause when you start asking people for like time suddenly, like you, people start giving you time. It's just really insane how that works, but (laughs) I could go on and on about that forever. Um, but I loved having you on. I am super grateful for you for being on and giving like this unique perspective to this because you're doing things totally different from how I did. And I definitely don't ever want to be like, this is the way to do it. And so this has been fantastic. Um, well, it's nice that I can like, learn a ton from you too. I've been watching your journey and was really excited to watch you start your business. And it's been really fun just kind of being witness to it and trying to help from any experience I have and then learning from any experience that you have. So I think it's so great because I've been, I've been in those moments where I was like, fuck this, I'm going to just quit my job and go do my own thing. And I, I was not in a position like where I could even swing it because I was not making like any money and I did not have any partner or support. I was living in Dallas. I didn't know anybody. Um, so I kind of just had to brave, like brave it through that. Um, but I, I've been in those moments. So I have the utmost respect that you just kind of were like, fuck this shit. I'm going to go do my own thing. So I think it's awesome. And I'm, I've totally been cheerleading you from the sidelines. Uh, and I think these conversations are, are awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah. You've been cheerleading me from the sidelines and also like from my life, because I feel like you were like one of the ones in the beginning who would always just pop out up and be like, Hey, how's it going? And I'm like, Oh my God, <laughs> somebody who like knows what I'm going through because it's just, yeah, it's hard. It's, it's, it's hard. And it's kind of like this mystical process that you feel like you can't talk to people about or people don't understand. And that's part of the reason why I have the podcast. And um, so I'm super happy to have you on. And if, do you have any like biggest pieces of advice that you would want to leave the listeners with? Oh, biggest pieces of advice. Or like biggest, like, you know, yeah, biggest lesson that you wanted to share. I really do think it's, it's what I mentioned earlier. I really just think that it's that everyone around you may appear appear to be polished, but when you dig down, no one really truly has all their shit figured out. And so when you start to realize that everyone around you is equally as vulnerable as you feel, they may just be a little better at hiding it. Mm. Uh, It starts to level the playing field and you start to realize that anything is possible. You, if you're willing to just push yourself outside your comfort zone, even just a little bit to take that first step and figure out what you want to do, you're going to find that if you put it out in the universe, you'll attract so much love and support for what you're trying to do. Mostly people we will be cheerleading for you. You might have some people who are detractors. They're usually on the detractors because they're jealous that you're taking the first step and they don't have the courage to do it. Uh, totally so honestly. True. They are really just going to sling shit at you because they're going to be like, fuck, she did it before I did. Or like, or, or I'm pissed that she's doing it. She's more, I'm viewing her as more successful than me. Mm-hmm. They're really not actually rooting for your failure. They're just like, oh man, I wish I had the courage to do what they're doing. So. I think, you know, reaching, reaching out for help, but really realizing that like, no one's perfect at this. We're all figuring it out. And so the, the more conversations we can have, the better we'll all be. I think mm-hmm. that that's super important and just helping kind of get to that first step. So. Absolutely. I 
Yes. Everything that you just said, I have 100% learned myself. So I could not have said it better. And thank you again so much for being on. Um, I really appreciate it. And um, yeah, this was awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. All right, you guys, there you have it. Um, I really hope that you enjoyed my conversation with Kate in this interview. I was so appreciative to have her on and have this as sort of different perspective for you guys. I hope that there was something in here that you can relate to and that you needed to hear today. And if you enjoyed it, please make sure to go ahead and leave me a rating and review on iTunes. I would so appreciate it. You can find all of Kate's information in the link in the show notes. And I will talk to you guys in the next episode. Thanks so much. Mm-hmm.